0: cool stuff right (laughs) I feel like I shouldn't be like up here today but that's okay I feel like I should be sitting at a table as well so my name is Annie and I know most of you but if you don't know me um, Alex is my husband and we're on staff here at the church and we're kind of filling in and holding down the fort while Steve and Patty are enjoying a well-deserved vacation and we're going through Surprise the World, which is a book by Mike Frost. So last week we talked about living questionable lives as Christians, lives that are not so much questionable um, as in suspect, but intriguing. Why do you do these things that you do? So that we can point back to our faith as the answer. So Our homework and our focus last week was bless, to work on adding strength to another's arm. And you may do this through words of encouragement, acts of kindness, or gifts. Those are just three ways you can bless people. So that was last week. And this week is my personal favorite. It's the eat chapter. So as he was saying, um, a missional habit that he proposes is sharing your table three times a week. Now, I just want to point out, as the cook in our house, sharing your table does not mean you have to cook for somebody three times a week. So if you're, like, disqualifying yourself because that's not your gifting, I just want you to know that Mrs. Costco is a great cook. (laughs) <laughs> and she actually, Mrs. Costco, Trader Joe, they're all great, great cooks with lots of pre-made options. So don't let the fear of hosting or cooking or the stress or the time constraint of that um, let you disqualify yourself from the joy that it is to share a table with someone. I, I mean, he even suggests just like a donut and coffee. How easy is that? You know, <laughs> nobody has to cook then. So this is exciting. And I just, I'm excited because I think it's a gift that God gives us. I mean, think about this. We don't have to eat the way that we do, right? I mean, think of how cars are fueled. It's very mechanical, right? Cars pretty much take the same type of fuel. They're filled up and they're good to go. There's nothing um, nothing that draws, draws you together about that, right? I mean, God could have made us any way he wanted to. We don't even have, we couldn't, we don't need to necessarily have a variety of foods. Food doesn't have to be visually appealing. It doesn't have to smell good. It doesn't even have to taste good to refuel our bodies. But that's a gift that God gave us, is that he made this appealing to our senses. And he made it something that we do several times a day. It's something that takes community to prepare. I mean, this is not by accident. You guys, it it takes community to raise food, to grow it, to harvest it, to prepare it, to serve it. We take pleasure and enjoyment in consuming it. It even takes more than one person usually to clean up after a meal, right? So God has designed this so intentionally, I feel, to bring us together every day. He knows that we need food every day and he's made it something that's enjoyable to us. So what a good God. I mean, we could refuel like cars, right? (laughs) Or we could take, you know, two magic beans every day, and we're good to go for the whole day. But that's not what he chose to do. He chose to make it something that really requires us to come together. And I just think that's cool. I mean, think about all, especially in our country, how many different things you eat in a day. That's not true for, you know, everyone. Lots of different cultures have different staple diets, but all the variety of food that's available to you. I mean, how good is God, right? So three things about the table today, okay? We're going to talk about how the table can be a surprising place. The table fosters community. And the table reveals God's character. So one of the most surprising things about Jesus was who he ate with. So if you've done any reading in the Bible, which I pray that you have, if you haven't, that's okay too, you're welcome here. Um, Jesus ate with sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes. He gave his enemies plenty of ammunition for coming against him, because especially in Jesus' day, I mean, even men and women eating together was a a little bit radical, okay? But he began his public ministry at a wedding feast. That's how he chose to begin it. The miracle at Cana in John 2, it's a great example of the surprising nature of the table. The water jars, I found this very interesting, the water jars that Jesus used to turn the water into wine had been set aside for ceremonial washing associated with the Jewish purification rites. So if a Jew felt that they had been contaminated by interacting with a Gentile, they would wash in water and recite certain prayers to restore themselves to their sanctified state before God. And so that's, you know, the Pharisees at that time. So Jesus takes the symbol of the separation between Jews and Gentiles, between holy and unholy, and he fills them with wine, the symbol of hospitality and inclusion and fellowship. And then he continues to do this right throughout his earthly ministry. I mean, that was just the beginning So Luke's gospel, which we read from today, showcases this beautifully. It's at a table that Jesus accepted the worship of a sinful woman. He criticizes the self-righteousness of Simon the Pharisee in Luke 7. It's at a table that Jesus dispensed advice for how to welcome the poor into your lives. That's what we just read. And it's at a table that Jesus revealed himself as the risen Lord and Emmaus. So in his book, Surprise the World, Michael Frost says that we should be radical socializers. What a great thought. What's a radical socializer? What is socializing radically? What does that look like in our lives? Might mean hanging out with someone you don't normally hang out with or eating with someone you don't normally eat with. So the table can be a surprising place that gets people to ask us, why do we break bread with unexpected guests? You might be expected to eat with your family, right? But who else might you invite to your table? So that leads me to our second function of the table. The table is going to foster community in our lives. Have you guys ever seen um, maybe an older couple eating at a restaurant in complete silence? Have you ever seen that? It strikes you as a little bit odd, doesn't it? Because we talk at tables. That's what we do. The table is a forum for conversation, for rest, reconciliation. When someone's celebrating an anniversary or a birthday or something special, what do we do? We go out for a meal. That's almost always part of the celebration. So instead of inviting your neighbors to church or a church event, maybe just start by inviting them to your table. That's often the question that I've found visitors have is, is there going to be food there? (laughs) And I wish that I could always say, yeah. (laughs) I wish that I could say without a doubt, yes, there will be something delicious for you to eat. (laughs) Simon Carey Holt is a theologian and a professional chef. Isn't that a fun combination? And he says this about how the table creates community. It's through the daily practice of the table that we live a life worth living. Through the table, we know who we are, where we come from, what we value, and what we believe. At the table, we learn what it means to be family and how to live in responsible, loving relationships. Through the table, we live our neighborliness, our citizenship. We express our allegiance to particular places and communities. We claim our sense of home and belonging. At the table, we celebrate beauty. We express solidarity with those who are broken and hungry. Christians can be victims of um, what he calls a holy huddle. Think about what that might mean, the holy huddle. We only invite other Christians to our tables because we feel more comfortable with each other, but I think Jesus might be calling us to foster community with people who don't know him yet. Actually, I know Jesus is calling us to foster community with people who don't know him yet. In Jesus' time, a person would never eat with somebody of a different social standing and certainly never with someone of a different religion. But Jesus turns that on his head, and, and this is so striking to me, this idea that, that Jesus ate with people before he asked repentance of them. Isn't that beautiful that he just took a minute to just fellowship with them? And to really be equal in some ways. I mean, we all get hungry, even Jesus, the Son of God. We all get hungry, we all get thirsty, we all need to take a break and sit at the table. And so Jesus engaged with that before he ever asked anything of anyone. So conversion flowered from communion. We see it in Jesus' attendance at the meal of the home of the tax collector, Zacchaeus, He said, Zacchaeus, get down from there. If you guys know the song, the Sunday school song, Zacchaeus, come down from there, for I'm going to your house today. And Jesus caught a lot of flack for that, didn't he, eating with Zacchaeus? But what happened? Zacchaeus said, I'm going to give back everything that I took from people, and I'm going to give back multiple times more than I cheated them out of. But Jesus ate with him first. So on that note, I think that we can become radical socializers, right? There's someone we can in- engage with and invite to our table. It might not come so naturally. might feel a little bit awkward, but I guarantee you if you say there's going to be food there, you'll probably get a yes to an invitation. <laughs> so let's move on. The table mirrors the character of God. Eating with others can be a profoundly theological experience, and it mirrors the character of the triune God. Our God is three in one. So I have an icon up here. Thanks, guys. So iconography is just pictures that, um, in times when not everyone could read, they would use these wonderful pictures to teach people the stories or the theological points that they wanted them to know, because... It, you know, back in the day, not everyone had that privilege of learning to read. So here we have the Holy Trinity. This was painted around 1410 um, by Andre Rublev, and it depicts the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what are they sitting around? They're sitting around a table. Isn't that cool? Like, God is, um, he is wholly complete in himself, and he chooses to, sit around a table so it's just this image of fellowship the fellowship of the trinity and when we join together around a table we mirror that relationship of the father son and the holy spirit so janice price puts it this way hospitality becomes the modus operandi or the way we do things of mission As those in common participation in the life and mission of God meet and receive from each other, it mirrors the hospitality of the Trinity as God chooses to open himself to the other through the incarnation and subject himself to the created order. So I don't think it's any coincidence that when Jesus gave his disciples something to remember him by, that it was the breaking of bread and the drinking of wine. I mean, that's why we do that every week, because Jesus instructed us to do this in remembrance of me. So today we celebrate communion, or the Lord's Supper, in a little bit of a formal liturgical way. But the first Christians celebrated it in the context of a banquet, much like what you see here. The table was the primary symbol of Christian worship. Not the choir or the pulpit or the band. It was the table. And you know, for eternity, we're going to be at a banquet. Isn't that the beautiful thing? Revelation tells us about the marriage feast of the Lamb. And that's where we're going to be in heaven. It's going to be the the biggest, greatest party. And it's the marriage feast of the Lamb. When Christ receives his inheritance... So I like to think of our shared meals together as practice for eternity right when we're there at the marriage feast of the Lamb we're feasting, we're experiencing the triune God, the fellowship of believers, all the angels and saints, so beautiful so let's bring heaven to earth a little bit just invite somebody to your table you don't even have to cook for them Instacart, That's what I do there's no pressure. It's not about necessarily what you're eating. It's who you're eating with. Yeah. And
1: so you're that's saying,
0: You're saying no table runners either. You can make it as fancy as you want. If that's how you show love, set your table so fancy. <laughs> but there's certainly no obligation for that. So just take a minute and think about who you might want to eat with. Who might you want to eat with this week? Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for the table. Thank you for modeling so well for us what it means to just be radically social and engage and to love people and to come together with people who are different from us. Thank you, Lord, that you have embedded in us this necessity to eat and come together and prepare food. And I just pray, Lord, for each person here that they would find a new joy in that and that they would just be mindful that when they eat together, they're bringing heaven to earth, that your kingdom invades. So that's what we want, God, is we want your kingdom to invade earth. And we thank you that we get to do it while eating. In Jesus' mighty name we all pray. Amen.